everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you. We are a happily married couple of four kids, and this show usually is um, simply a conversation between us about kind of whatever's been happening. Unrehearsed, raw, unplanned, uncoordinated sometimes, but yet still uh, awesome. Or so we're told. So used. Uh, episode 58, too. Now we're on episode 58. Wow. Almost. Are we almost done with year two or three of this? Uh, I think we started about a year and a half ago. <clears throat> okay. Like yeah. January of 2020. And we try to do weekly, but as you can see, 52 and January, it's not quite, we're not quite there. But, which is That's kind life. of, yeah, it's life. Yeah. So, what's going on, babe? Um, Are you stressed out? Well, I am stressed out. So we're recording this. This is pre-recorded. Um, all our episodes are technically pre-recorded because <laughs> they're not live. No, we uh, we recorded this the week last week um, because we're prepping to go. We're camping right now. If you're listening to this episode, we're in Oregon uh, on the last. See if I release the show on when Tuesday night. It'll be. We have two more days of camping, so follow. If you followed our Instagram, you might pick up on that. Is that kind of weird talking about the future, talking about the past and the yeah, future? Yeah, it's a little disorienting for me. Yeah. Anyway, so we're recording this right now, and we're in the midst of packing for said trip. And uh, I texted Molly. I said, "Hey, babe, you up for a podcast? Or are you just way too stressed out for the podcast?" But it's hot out, so I think I she took a break. Yep, a cool break. <laughs> I am drinking our new favorite beverage of the summer, which is a Cayman Jack. Mm-hmm. You can just get them at gas stations. Yep. And they come in four flavors that we know of. Margarita, Moscow Mule. Cuban Mojito. Mojito. And my favorite. And Paloma. Paloma. Which is grapefruit. And agave. It's, I think and it's, it's a tequila cocktail. It's a malt beverage. None of them are, are actually tequila uh, or... Yes. What's in a mule? Vodka. No, it's is it vodka? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's not actually that. It's just flavored. But they do a really good job of the flavoring, and they're, and they're very refreshing. Good. But if you're gluten free, sorry. And I, you know, I've tried the hard seltzers, and um, I'm just I'm not a fan. The lack of calories is not worth it for the lack of flavor. <laughs> Truth. Correct. And you know, when I, when you mentioned grabbing you one of these for the show, I thought I should mention to Paul because our our regular listener paul my cousin. cousin he's always like every time i hear like you clinking a glass or something in the background i'm i start stroking my chin and thinking "Ooh, i wonder what he's drinking right now and it's, it's usually just water tea. <laughs> or tea um but i kind of feel like i'm on vacation today because vacation starts a day vacation right starts at the day you have to pack and so i haven't done anything on trailers or anything on trailers or anything on trailers because that's all i'm really doing right You're now repeating trailers. Yourself. yeah um, all i'm really doing is trailers i thought i was doing more but i'm not so well, we have a kid looking very inquisitively in tell him to text us on the ipad no i want to know what he wants oh hey come here what do you want dude what's up dude can we get on our kindles now <laughs> <laughs> is the car clean yeah did you wash my dashboard with spray what kind of spray just regular just, cleaning spray yeah. okay I know, get get my dashboard the clean, dust. and then like where the cup holder is, yeah. and there's sticky stuff on the side of your console, and wash my console, and the cup holders on my doors and your cup holders. Okay. 
Okay. And Faith and Elisa's cup holders. Okay. Okay. Spray and washcloths. And then you can do Kindles. Uh, real life action yes we do a thing that we got from some friends called clean time screen time you guys so our kids have kindles which we have found to be great screen time because there's a lot of parental controls but also a lot of freedom for them to feel like they're getting to experience stuff like there's a fake minecraft uh or knockoff video game that they can play so we're a big fan of the Kindles, even though we're that helps to sh- send Jeff Bezos to space. By the way, your mom and that family text string about <laughs> Jeff Bezos going to space, uh, she's like, what was it with the cowboy hat? And all I could think was, is it the Stephen Miller band? Some people call me the space cowboy. I still don't know what she's talking about with the cowboy Apparently hat. he was wearing a cowboy hat right before they took off. Oh, Bezos was? Yeah. Like a giant cowboy oh, hat. Oh. Which is funny because he's My from uncle Seattle, had posted right? this giant cowboy hat before, and so it's like, we, whenever yeah, my family. It wasn't a cowboy hat, that was a sun hat. Whenever my family goes on a vacation, there's always this massive texturing, and texts just get more and more frequent and then almost completely drop off the day before. So, like, there's been like no. And then texts. while we're all driving, it'll yes, be a flurry and then of just pictures. a flurry of texts and pictures and stuff. But because you guys were camping with a number of families within JR's family. But um I is is it not perfect that he's a space cowboy? I could I'm sure there's memes. I didn't bother. I didn't have time looking up, but I'm gonna Google it right now. I don't realize Bezos was a cowboy. He's not space cowboy. Do you not know that song? Yeah. Some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> you don't know that? <laughs> He's not a cowboy. He's from Seattle. Was, wasn't there a he's Scott a Glenn bald, movie called Space Cowboys? He's a bald nerd. I think there was a a movie called Space Cowboys. Speaking of space, did you know that... So, we went to McDonald's last week after our kids' judo tournament. Mm-hmm. And they're, all the Happy Meal toys were Space Jam toys promoting mm-hmm. that movie. Apparently, even though the NBA has kowtowed to China left and right, China has some some hold over the United States. Well, not hold, like some <laughs> some chip on their shoulder about something to do with that movie. And so, and it, like LeBron James is They've in got it, a right? Chip on their shoulder about everything. Well, right, but um, yeah, there's all sorts of memes about Space Cowboy. Funny. When I just Google hey, it. Before we get started. No, no, no. But I'm not. Oh. So apparently. I guess we're ap- started. Yeah. Apparently, China is not allowing Space Jam, the reboot, to show in China, which is a huge market for movie releases, as you probably know better than is I LeBron do. Is LeBron in the new one? Is it? LeBron, LeBron replaced Michael Jordan? I, I think so. Anyway, they are. They're somehow. losing like $200 million because China won't let them release it there. I don't remember the Space whole story. Space Jam people are. I shouldn't bring this. Yeah, the up Eastern, I... the Asian markets are huge for movie releases because sometimes they'll do pre-sales. And well, there's so many people there. They'll factor in. Yeah, yeah and they, LeBron and they is totally suck up American stuff. LeBron is in the new Space Jam, and I wonder if it's a, if it's a continuation of the first one. That would be pretty rad. I I don't know. Do you want to support LeBron and watch it? Uh, is LeBron a good guy? I don't even know. Oh, he's all like he defund the police and. No, oh, I don't want to support him, man. He, I mean, you. I went to Target today. 
I spent like $6.98 at Target. Babe. You can't help it. We order stuff from Amazon. So today, uh, so when I was packing, I noticed uh, in that camouflage bag that I've been using for several years now, mm-hmm. the one I got for free, uh, it's got holes in it. And I was afraid it's going to rip and all my stuff is going to fall out. So I used that gift card I got to go to Shields to get Oh, you didn't get the gift card. That was for me. I'm the one who babysat. You, that's what you spent the gift card on? Yeah. Oh. I was going to save it up for a huh. paddleboard. Oh, I already have that planned. I have that picked out already for you. I'm going to buy you one for our anniversary. Oh, okay. I was shopping for paddleboards today, too. But I was going to think... you're going to buy me something that big, I want to say, and what it is. Well, I was gonna. Th- I was. I was thinking about buying one for, one for us. Mm-hmm. That's that can has a weight capacity for both of us. Okay, I was thinking weight capacity for like me and two kids, or you and two kids. Right, and there's only a few that hit that. The one that actually fits both of us is only six forty nine. It's inflatable. Oh, there's an inflatable one that like now that our dog wants in. You've got to be cautious about those weight capacities because some don't even hold me. Like the. The three hundred dollar one it probably wouldn't hold Shields. me at all. Well, yeah. then it would be mine. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to do something Anywho, for the both of us. Cool. What I was going to say was though. Hang on. What I was going to say was about the duffel bags. Is uh, I I found one from Osprey that I wanted because I didn't want to buy Patagonia because uh, Patagonia is all like super. super they, in fact, they send more. So they're a big sponsor of the National Ski Patrol. And they send more. They spend more time sending emails about socio-political things than they do about actual products. It's just super annoying. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to buy Patagonia. Speaking of woke outdoor product companies, have you seen the North Face Petroleum Industry spat? Mm-hmm. Where you this... were telling me about it, and oh, that's right, because my CEO... dad's, you guys, my dad's in the petroleum industry, yeah. and. There's this in the some CEO of a petroleum company in the Denver area um, ordered North Face gear and was going to get their company logo branded on it or like em- embroidered on it. And the North Face was like, no, you're bad for the environment. We will not support the petroleum industry. So this guy released, I think around the Denver area, there are billboards but then he did an ad that they've been airing, and he's this really hip-looking... Uh, he looks a little bit like Anderson Cooper to me. Uh, really nice-looking, gray-haired, but probably in his 50s guy. And he lists all the ways that North Face depends on petroleum products in the actual... you know, Because it's all synthetic, which is all petroleum-based. Like North Face isn't 100% cotton or merino wool, it's all petroleum based and so the production of their materials the actual like materials that go into it and then the shipping the advertising he just lists out all the stuff so at the end of it he's like you're welcome north face for enabling you chris wright the ceo of liberty oil field services in denver is the one here. Anyway, you sh- we should find here. that link, the video link. And um, yeah, yeah, it. I've got it up in front of me. I'll include it. If, if we mention anything particular in the show notes that's worthy of you guys watching, that we think is worthy of your time, we'll throw it in the notes for you. I have no idea if this is a good website or a bad website, but it was the first one of the first websites that came oh. up. So. Um, so anyway, there's so much wokeness going on, it's hard to avoid it, but we're trying to avoid 
supporting woke companies to the best of our ability. Uh, speaking of non-woke companies, I don't. I think we posted about this on Instagram, but we didn't say it. We didn't talk about it out loud. But we watched Chris Pratt's Tomorrow War yes. a couple of weeks ago on a date night. My kids had the kids, uh, or my parents had the kids, and so we. I Instagram something about it. At one yeah, point. we Instagrammed it, but we didn't. I don't think we talked about it. Oh my gosh, you guys! Podcast, it was so good. If you haven't seen it, it's it just ticks all the buttons. I mean, there's some cringy violence, like, and there's a lot of it because it's, oh, it's nasty, nasty aliens. Like, they don't even try to explain their badness. Like, they're just nasty and bad. Um, and so, and they're destroying mankind. And there's some pretty gnarly death scenes uh, for people that you like. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. But it's it's not quite as offbeat and goofy as Guardians of the Galaxy. But it's definitely got Chris Pratt humor in it. He stars in it and he's a producer of it. And it's just, like, there's no cringy sex scenes there's nothing that you would be embarrassed to watch with your parents or with your teenage kids and it leaves you happy like I'll spoiler alert the movie ends happy (laughs) so uh, because it's not a postmodern movie because you know though like the movies that end depressing are all in the postmodern but traditionally we could actually do an entire podcast on this on storylines and stuff mm-hmm. we in our hearts are de- designed for happy endings like we want everything wrapped up in a neat bow we want good to conquer evil we want the person who's been struggling to have some sort of resolution to the struggle and it doesn't have to be in a you know, you you hate the trite Christian movies where, you know, everything works out perfectly once you come to Jesus. But somehow, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, like like <clears throat> after all this destruction and stuff, like somebody survives and they're happy and it's a good ending. Yeah, and I you know, in terms of in terms of style and genre, I would probably camp it right. It's like a meld between Independence Day, the classic one from the 90s, Roland Emmerich film. Is that the one that Will Smith is in? Yeah. Okay. And then Tom Cruise's Edge of uh, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, live, also called Live, Die, Repeat, where I he's am. in that time loop, and he has to do this. Uh, Have I seen that? It's awesome. We, we own it. I think so, yeah. Oh. With um, the British actress who's married to the office guy. Oh, Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise are in Edge of Tomorrow, which is one of my favorites. Um, and so it's like that would blended a little bit with Independence Day. And it's just, it's it's And fan- a little bit fantastic. of Parks and Rec because of Chris mm-hmm. Pratt. Yes, and a little bit part because, and it's just, it, it has a lot of, um, but it also has that sort of back to the future time travel element that's yeah. kind of like, oh, interesting. Because it's tomorrow um, war. It's a war that's happening in the future. Yeah, and then, you know, if you if you kill it, you've got all the time mechanics for the nerds out there. It's like, okay, if we if we end this here, does all this exist or does that go away? And kind of all the, all the things. So, 
Uh, no, it's a fantastic movie. If you guys are interested in alien, kind of cool alien sci-fi movies, I did really enjoy a couple of years ago. Netflix released one called Spectre on uh, Netflix. It was it was super good. I just really enjoyed it in terms of just like I for sure didn't classic. watch that. No, you didn't. It was just me. Just like I don't classic, like alien like movies good. generally. I love alien movies. Unless it's I love science I fiction. Like Men in Black. Is that, is that an alien movie? Yes, it is. Very much alien. The whole core is alien. I know, but it's goofy. Oh, it's right. great. Somebody was just mentioning that to me the other day, where they would... Um, reality. What is what is true reality? Maybe reading the Tribune or the National Enquirer is really true reality. It's like, well, what's the news going on right now? Well, I pick up those... You know, remember the supermarket magazines that don't really exist anymore the yeah they yeah. do still exist do they really yeah oh. you ju- we just don't go to supermarkets we do walmart pickup huh well i mean i go to albertson for cayman jack oh but. okay no i was gonna say um did i share this uh going back to the last show anna uh drama anna texted when um, drama teacher drama not teacher. drama girl yeah, you know drama the girl Oh, yeah. She's not, <laughs> she's not a, drama a drama queen, queen. you guys. <laughs> no, Anna texted me um, and said, y'all should totally watch Because of Winn-Dixie. I loved it as a kid, and it's very well cast. So we were having this conversation with her about... She wants to talk... Oh, wait, no, Anna, this is brilliant. You wanted us to talk about pop culture. We just did. We did. Oh, my goodness. Our, like, once a quarter foray <laughs> into pop culture. Molly... Molly's not a pop culture person. I'm not really a pop culture I person used to anymore. Be. I just don't have time. No, it's I just true. spend time surviving and trying to figure out how to get the dishes went, done and teach my kids. I went on a. Uh, I'm kind of on a uh, Dave Matthews kick. Really? Again. Oh yes. Hello, he's still, 1990s. He's still super good. His last record was released in 2018, and it's still really good. Hmm. Like it's just his sound has just not. It's just a great sound. Class. It made me want to pick up my guitar and jam again. Okay, speaking of 1990s, you saw on Instagram that we have some friends from church who did... Oh my goodness. A 1990s birthday party. Some for of someone. them got it, some of them did not. It, some of them were very much 1980s. Yes. Like, it, some of their outfits were very, like, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. which is 1980s. Right. But some of them... So here's my question for you. What is a quintessential 1990s outfit for you? Oh, that would be easy. That would be that would be grunge. That would be the Define flannel shirt. Grunge. Okay. That'd be rip. Um, not super ripped jeans, but like, um, you know, it would be it would be your flannel shirt, your your denim. That's not it's not 80s ripped denim, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of shabby. Uh, with combat boots. Yep. And Doc just, Martens. Just Doc Martens and just a simple t-shirt. Like, that to me is quintessential 90s How brunch. is the flannel shirt worn? You can wear it generally... Generally, it's worn around your waist. Yeah. Um, now, there is, like, there is a little bit of holdover on that from, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like, late 80s mm-hmm. sort of thing. But, no, grunge was definitely the... You know, ripped up... I mean, anything, like, ripped sleeves... That worked too, you know. See for me, I had like some Massimo. I had like a Massimo sort of denim, uh, ripped sleeved that I bought, like denim vest sort of thing that I wore yeah. all the time. Like this, no, it was flannel. Sorry, it was a Massimo like flannel ripped that I wore all the time. I had combat boots, 
you know, uh, long john like cut your cut your jams cut your shorts or your jeans way below the knee if you were in the skater crowd hmm. it's still kind of cool this was, is 1980s to me mm, that was that was kind of moving into the 90 like the california skater scene with the dickies that used to hang down to the hmm. mid, see we mid-calf. were imbibing of different cultural milieus in the 90s to me like 1990s clothing like for sure the flannel tied around your waist which cracked me up. I don't know how long did how long ago did flannel come back in? Hipster era. Maybe like five years ago. Two thousand. No, it'd have been like two thousand eight. I think it was after that. Two thousand nine. Well, it's I guess the hipster, hipsters. It's the hipsters. Yeah, yeah. In the work hipsters boots. Hipsters and then hipsters and work boots. And then it hit more mainstream culture in like mm-hmm. twenty. I think of I think of when my brother moved to Chicago and his pastor was wearing skinny jeans and flannel on the stage. And that that was, was a hipster skinny jeans and flannel. That wasn't grunge uh, skinny jeans and right. jeans and flannel. Right, but then it was kind of mainstream, like high school girls wearing flannel to class all the time. Was I wore like a super. I wore I a super with my flannel. I also wore a lot of super baggy jeans. Yeah, you did do a lot of the you know the big stove, really wide really stove wide. pipes. You could pick up at like the buckle. The super, they're like, you know. 18 inches wide at the knee. It was awesome. Yeah. I had a couple of pairs of jeans that were really wide-legged that if I'd held on to them would probably be back in style now. But I didn't hold on to them because they were not even remotely in style for most of the early 2000s. <laughs> most of my stuff kind of kind of fell but apart. But the one that I... The person in that party picture that I thought nailed it the most... Well, there were two of them. One of them was a girl who had like really, really thin streaks of bangs off to the side. Yep. And then the other was wearing... Apparently she borrowed it from her dad, a rugby or a polo shirt. And I, so, I, I wore rugby shirts like in the yeah late nineties, early two thousands. That was almost like that'd be almost like two thousand one ish. And now the, I'm gonna the rugby. Shirts. It's gonna crack me up the feedback we get from this because <laughs> we've got awesome. we've got people who listening who had kids in the nineties, <laughs> right? Who were going to junior high and high school, and then we've got people who were like. 80s, 90s, whatever. Like, I was born in 1998, so... Yeah. So, um, my main thing that I've been thinking about a lot this week, because not only is this a pre-pre-recorded podcast, it's also JR is meeting someone for drinks before we leave town for a week. Uh, We did, at our family worship night... We threw out there for the kids what's the chief end of man or what is the primary purpose of man, which is Westminster Catechism question one. And the answer is man's chief end or man's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yeah. And Addie brought her two girls there. That night, she's scrolling Instagram and she hits in one of the Christian meme accounts that she follows, she hits someone who their caption of this just you know, picture with black black and white text is this and six bright red exclamation points and three of the 100% emojis. And it says, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But the Bible never talks about enjoying God, much less that this is why man was created. Solomon says that to fear God and keep his commandments is the whole duty of man. Not a word about enjoying God being the primary purpose of man. 
And so this <laughs> meme account is obviously uh, not a big fan of the Westminster Catechism. Uh, and she she was like, how, how would you respond to this? Having just cited this to the kids, what's your response? So... I had I I woke up to her message from this and a little bit to my shame, actually much to my shame. I checked my messages before I did my Bible reading, uh, which is probably one of the main reasons I'm behind on it. And I was like, oh, I'll just send her a quick response. And then like, you, know, you get the this message is too long on Instagram. I had like six of those by the time I finished responding to her, <laughs> which was actually really good for me because I was not really feeling the joy of the Lord that morning in looking ahead to a day of working with exhausting day of working with kids in VBS. Mm-hmm. And so to be recentered on what is the biblical basis that I believe for that my primary purpose is to glorify God and then John Piper's tweak on it, which I sent her, is by enjoying him forever. So Unlike these guys who say your whole duty is to obey God, I deeply in my heart and my spirit was refreshed in reviewing this, believe that I was created to delight in my creator and in what he who he is and what he has done. Okay. So so tell us what the, what is that? No, I want to hear yeah. what you what you think. Or do you have any gut reactions? My, my gut reaction is it's a it's a very limited and uh, weak uh, insight and look at what scripture is and, and what uh, theology is. So it's a surface. It's simply a surface taking and then and then running. Right, but also, do you think because you spent what a year studying Ecclesiastes yes. with your buddies. He's quoting Ecclesiastes. The the very last verse in Ecclesiastes is here's the whole purpose of man. Fear God and keep his commands. That's how Solomon ends Ecclesiastes, right? Is that <laughs> using that verse appropriately with everything that came before no, in Ecclesiastes? Not even kind of. If you read I, in fact, I spent an entire week. That week, I was up at the cabin that we missed the show. I, one, of my, one of the things I wanted to do was was kind of meditate and do some further study on Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And a large portion of that is how much of what we pursue in life as humans and kind of our human desire, how much of that is 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 vanity, is, is like sand. It's like trying to build a sandcastle when you know a high tide is going to come and wash it all away. Which is why he starts Ecclesiastes right. saying so he meaningless, grieves, meaningless, or vanity of vanities. He grieves a lot over some of the horrible things that can happen. For example, a man saves up a lot of wealth, doesn't spend it, dies, and it's passed on to whomever and wasted. Or a man has a whole bunch of wealth and he's unable to enjoy it. Or a person is living a life with a job they hate. All of those things, he said, are super big tragedies. And frequently... Often behind those statements, he also says that is why one of the best things you can do is is you're very very blessed. For instance, if you can, uh, if you have, uh, if you have whatever wealth you have, you have the ability to enjoy it. Um, that's great. And one of the best things you can do is enjoy your work and enjoy your toil. 
If you can find joy in your toil and joy in your work, you can eat, drink, and be grateful to God in that. Full stop. Right. So, so what I when I was looking at Ecclesiastes, knowing that you absolutely love that middle where he's like, the best thing that can happen to you is to feel blessed and enjoy your toil. And remember, Genesis 3, one of the curses of the fall is that mankind and men specifically, if you take the curse on Adam and you want to be complimentarian about everything, that men particularly are going to experience great frustration in the futility of your work in thorns. Mm-hmm. And that, so if you can find pleasure and satisfaction, despite the Genesis 3 curse, Solomon says, this that's what it you are a blessed person and remember this is this is wisdom literature so he's contrasting the wise way of life from the foolish way of life in it and solomon knows he has tasted all of the fake things that are supposed to give you pleasure what 700 wives and 300 concubines or was it the other way around 300 wives and 700 concubines like like over a thousand women you guys right so he stud well (laughs) right so from a worldly perspective like he's got all these beautiful women rereading the book of kings the books of kings and chronicles uh like straight through in rapid succession with my bible reading project it was astounded at the amount of wealth that solomon had just like like silver was considered worthless because it was so abundant in his world he was so stinking rich he, so you know when he talks about storing up wealth and then it feeling meaningless of all people in the world he would know and when he talks about like everything like he had it in the superlative and so when he starts out saying like it's all meaningless it's all vanity he knows because he's been there, done that. And so I was actually, oh, there's a documentary I want us to watch, and I'm not sure what format it's in, but it's about Anthony Bourdain's life. Oh, yeah. And so we we like cooking shows and stuff. And apparently this guy, this guy spliced together. I can't remember where I was reading this, if it was in World Magazine or if it was somewhere online but but this guy spliced together verbal excerpts from different things that Bourdain had recorded mm-hmm. and so almost it, it's him actually narrating his own life documentary one of my favorite movies was was done in that Senna one of my favorite documentaries is called Senna about the Formula One race car driver who just blew everybody away and then died in a horrendous car accident triggering a bunch of safety measures in Formula One mm phenomenal movie because there was no narrator so it's everything everything was footage so here everything was like they crafted the whole story around already so so this is a little bit different because it's actually bourdain narrating okay because he's taken these clips and spliced them together into narration interesting but then he takes things that bourdain wrote and uses artificial intelligence voice to put it into his voice Wow. And so, like, they're like, it's eh, a little weird. Like, I'm not, like, people are very mixed in how they feel about this documentary producer. 
I'm going to have to dig up more information on this. But anyway, I'm interested to watch it. But again, like here is somebody who has lived an incredible life and he did the ultimate, this is meaningless, and killed himself mm-hmm. very tragically and shockingly to other people because you look at him from the outside and he seems to have it all. And so when Solomon, all this closing the loop, circling back, if you will, to to this guy saying that Solomon says obeying God is the is the chief end of man. He he says that because he's done all of the supposedly great stuff apart from God and it's turned out to be meaningless. And what he's saying is the only path to human thriving is within the boundaries that God has created, which goes back to the thing that we tell our kids all the time. Can you run a car? Can you fill a car's gas tank with applesauce? Well, you sure could, but it behooves you to follow the manufacturer's directions because that's how the engine is designed to run. The engine of our hearts can be filled with all of the things that Solomon tried, the women and the money and the exotic, you know, whatever's. You can fill your heart with those, but the manufacturer's design is to fill the engine of your heart with obedience to God. And that's how your, literally your body, if we want to talk, if we want to go the Canavox route and talk about sexual ethics, your body will be healthiest if you use your body sexually according to the manufacturer's design. But... Your mind also, all these things are going to be healthiest when you go according to the manufacturer's design, which is obeying God. You bring up a really, really good point that I can't let. uh, I mean, I can't. You don't bring up a point. You've illustrated something that I can't let go briefly. And that's when I I did a semester of study at Word of Life Bible Institute in Florida. And one of my professors there... Really? Um, I thought you were in New York. I was. Two semesters in New York, one semester in Florida, because I was on the drama team. And, <laughs> and you're going to make fun of Anna for drama. Uh, no, I wasn't making fun of Anna for drama at all. I Are was you on, just using that as a handle? I was in, I was in the... Uh, I was in uh, the, the, the collegiate choir. How did I not know this about you? I was in the collegiate choir, and part of our, part of our winter uh, semester because of that, was going to Florida and um, maybe it wasn't an entire quarter. I think it was an entire quarter. In Florida for the Passion Play. And so we would do a Passion Play in front of 1,500 people twice a day for three weeks mm, straight. Mm-hmm. It was insane. you know. So not only were we singing, we had to sing, so we also had to act. And um, I was the stand-in for pilot, um, but... I was, and they always had, there was always some staffer or some guy, you know, it's how the game is played. There was always somebody who had to be pilot, and it was like, it wasn't a student, you know, type of thing. I but, don't know that. <clears throat> anyway, they had to let it go. So anyway, I was the stand-in for pilot, because he couldn't show up at all the rehearsals, but he did the actual performance. <laughs> and um, But I sang as, well, I was one of the Roman guards during the, you know, I was hauling around Barabbas, who was a, one of our classmates, he was like 360 pounds, and why would Barabbas be so big? They wanted to make him a hulking, intimidating murderer. Okay. So anyway, that said, one of the one of the classes we took was typically taught, used to be taught by Charles Ryrie, and 
he had a quote that never left class was you can't take a verse screaming and bleeding from its context you know you just rip it out put it on the wall he called it placitis and um what you in your discussion of the chief end of man not only did you bring up you know the the whole preceding passage before of the book that 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 this guy the meme mentioned but you also went all the way back to genesis but that you know, you can still go all the way forward to the New Testament, where if the chief end of us is to obey, we're going to fail. We can't do it. Yeah. That's we can't true. do it. We need Christ to do it. So you've got to have the New Testament to do it. So where does that come into play? Um, and so you start looking at all these things, and it doesn't equal out to be, you know, that. It equals out to be a lot more holistic. And yeah. Well, which is which is actually <clears throat> where where I went actually before that but now after that because speaking of weird time warps right so i mean so so go <laughs> moving moving the beyond the book of ecclesiastes why did god create mankind and so it what did god do with mankind with adam and eve before the fall he walked mm-hmm. with them in the garden in the cool of the day he he created them for joyful relationship with them. And their purpose, yes, it was to obey in in what? Cultivating the garden and not eating from the tree mm-hmm. of the knowledge of good and evil. But it was it was for joyful relationship with God. And that goes throughout all of Scripture. Why did Jesus obey on the cross? Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him, which was reconciled relationship between mankind and God. That was the joy besides, you know, all of the glory that he gets in Philippians 2 for his obedience and whatnot. But you don't just obey for the through the drudgery of obeying. You have to have joy that follows the obedience or there's no incentive to obey and you look at the end of the bible what's you want to talk about telos which is the greek for end or purpose the telos of mankind is a party it's it's the wedding feast of the lamb it's everyone around praising god it's not everyone obeying god i mean it is obedience but it's joy filled it's an explosion of beauty and joy in being in the presence of god our creator where we're reconciled and we know what we've been reconciled and saved from and so our joy is all the greater because we know what could have happened to us and instead we're worshiping the lamb who brought us into this joyful relationship at his own great cost. And so... like, uh, Obedience without joy is nothing but legalism. Right. And also, it doesn't stay obedient for very long. No. Let's be honest. If you, if you have to do something because you have to do it, you're not going to do it for very long. So that actually, that's why I... Uh, Jared's going to post this link to you guys and go listen to this. Oh my goodness, message. are you going to? So, so this is what oh, led me what into why did God create mankind in the first place? It that led me to that, which is um, John Piper coming from Jonathan Edwards 
would say, and I would agree with it, God created mankind out of an overflow of his love and his joyful relationship inherent in who he is as a Trinitarian God. And a couple of years ago, a book came out called Delighting in the Trinity by a Scottish theologian named Michael Reeve, which you can buy the book and maybe JR can post the link on Amazon. So if you buy the book, we'll get a couple pennies from our link. But I haven't read the book. I'll be quite frank, and I haven't taken the time to buy the book. I'm going to include. I'm going to include two links to two books on the Trinity. One, delighting in the Trinity, and a brand new one that everybody I listen, re- listen to respect, and you know, one of them kind of is my you know kind of mentor. Um, uh, they all highly recommend called Simply Trinity. So, so Michael Reeve spoke at an. It's kind of like TEDx. It wasn't a Together for the Gospel Conference. It was like an offshoot. There aren't many people in the audience. It's sort of like a Joe Biden town hall. But but with, but but with, with a, a train of thought an, and nothing random. With and a, yeah, with an Oxford theologian <laughs> who is just spot on and fun to listen to. And he his entire career is studying the Trinity and he talks about how necessary having a Trinitarian God is to the intellectual cohesiveness of understanding the world around us, as well as understanding who God is. And he just makes so many tremendous points. But one of them is, he contrasts as a thought experiment the Muslim God, because Muslims make such a big deal about... Well, and Allah is arguably the most... Definitively one God. Definitively one monotheistic, deistic, singular deity in the world. And so they look at Christianity and they claim that Jesus is God and will see that as polytheism and incredibly heretical and... And he says, what is the fundamental essence of a law? It is not and cannot be even taken straight, even according to the Quran, which he quotes, uh, a law cannot in his essence be a God of love because he has no relationship inherently. And... Whereas the Trinitarian God eternally, and this, okay, this, this is why I had the funny mental jump from aliens to the Trinity, <laughs> because because God They're is e- so foreign. Well, no, 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 hard no, to no, 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 that's not it. God is eternal, right? Yeah. Eternity past, God has been enjoying Trinitarian relationship with the Son and the Spirit, and doesn't need anything outside of himself. But I have heard a lot of theologians that I trust say there is absolutely no biblical warrant to say that God could not have created other worlds. For Mm -hmm. sure. Like, eternity past, we want to say that we're the only world that God has ever created. There is, in my mind, I feel like God probably has created dozens of other worlds for fun. Could have. And it Why will not? be right. Who knows? Who knows? Right. But <laughs> if got, you've been we around, we got listeners right now going, 
Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh, she's got it right there. Look, look, you I believe heard, in space aliens. I'm pretty sure that I heard Vern Poitras <laughs> say this, so I'm not, I'm not totally off my rocker. You know, the scripture is the known is what God is God's revealed knowledge to us about Himself. This is what He wants us to know about ourselves, Himself, in and our this relationship world that in he's this created. world. But there is world. nothing in Scripture that says that God could not have created other worlds. There's nothing in scripture. Well, that... there's, there's, yeah, and there's some arguments, not arguments. He references Nephilim and Rephaim and a few other things. But that's this things. world. That's this that's world. That's not aliens. But though, they might as well be. I mean, we're talking other celestial beings doing weird, like, there's just a lot of weird stuff Giants in the world. That, and there you know, is a lot of weird, lot unexplained stuff, stuff in the world. world you know. Speaking of which, I saw a comparison. <laughs> Look at look at a, an anatomical comparison of a T Rex to a kangaroo. Oh, that's hilarious! And tell me that T Rexes possibly didn't get around by jumping <laughs> instead of walking. <laughs> I think you would have known a T Rex was coming. <laughs> Big time. Way more. Boom. Way more than boom. Jurassic Park. Boom, 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 boom. You know, like the the water rings in Jurassic Park. Yep. They would have been like water would have been spilling out of the cup with that T Rex jumping. Why did the T Rexes go instinct? They fell through, jumped through sinkholes, right. couldn't get out again. <laughs> not sinkholes. It wasn't meteors. It was T Rexes. T Rexes and so, sinkholes. Anyway, okay. So if God did not need to create other worlds in eternity past though because he was perfectly happy Mm -hmm. just with himself and he did not need to create our world he created it out of an overflow of joy and love and so he does not need mankind to do anything for him for lack of a better word psychologically or emotionally he does not have needs that humankind meets where any other God structure needs mankind to be fulfilling something psychologically, whether it's anger or pride or whatever it is. Look at the Greek gods, look at Allah. There's no overflow of love coming from the deity to humanity in any other religion mm-hmm. and that's because the trinitarian god is the only way of conceiving of a god and yes if i don't think we have these types of listeners we have listeners who like think like we do who and we're like vbs the ones that don't VBS think like toys we do, don't listen like, for long <laughs> right vbs toys look like crackpots and they're like yes <laughs> or and they're so, like that was offensive. I'm not listening to you guys which is, again. Which is fine. <laughs> we're not we're not the Trinity, but we don't need you to make ourselves feel good. We have so much pride. <laughs> we oh, don't man. need you. <laughs> Stop. Real quickly though, you mentioned uh, Vern Proithris, and a lot of people aren't going to know who he is. He was a professor at Westminster Seminary, but he also wrote an incredibly wonderful book that during the. 2012, 2013, 2014 era of, you know, um, because science, if you guys remember that area, era. You mean the hashtag which is, science? Which has kind of like died out. Thankfully. Now it's scientism. It's a full on religion. Uh, it's now, a full on religion. Cool. Well, at least we're there now. Um, but he wrote a book called Redeeming Science. And it was, and I'd, I'd, read, I'd read it prior to that whole 
weird world that I was engaging in there for a while. But it was kind of an anchor because the book, I highly commend it. The book just looks at everything you love about science and and gives it uh, its appropriate biblical theological context. And it's just a wonderful book. I just I super enjoy it. And the cliff notes of that, which mm-hmm. I haven't read, but I'm going to project on it. The cliff notes of it is science is exploring the world that God made. So there's yes. no contradiction. Exactly. And it's a great exactly. endeavor a great for the thing, human mind. Great endeavor to do. I mean, and an eternal endeavor. Like we, yeah. even in heaven and glory, we're not going to understand the mind of God. We're not going to be infinite and all knowing. We get to explore what God has made and what has, God has done for eternity. Because but I mean, think about it. We have, I say this all the time, we have uh, crazy imaginations as human beings. Look at all the worlds these authors create in fantasy and sci-fi. Look at our, look at what Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are doing right now. Traveling, and what's the other guy, the Virgin uh, Branson. Richard uh, Branson. Yeah. You know, they're, they're building spacecraft to go into space. Like, we're looking at the heavens wanting to explore, and I don't believe, mainly because of redeeming science, I don't believe that that is sinful. I believe that there is a God-given curiosity in us to explore mm. these things that God created. And it's kind of like whenever we, I kind of, you know, look at it like whenever somebody gets a, a geneticist, for instance, starts figuring out how to, how to, how to mold, you know, they start figuring out something about humanity or all these other things. I'm like, God's an infant God. He's just going to make one more layer. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna discover something smaller than the atom. Exactly. Smaller they... than the monocle. There's always going to be something smaller there. And it's going to be complex because God is God. He can do whatever They've he already, wants. They already right. know there's things smaller than atoms. And it's like, yeah. but like, no matter how complex the human body can be or our world that we live in, God can make it more complex and he can he, make it all work. He's already made it more complex. Yeah, see, we just boom. don't know. Oh, now we're back into the whole time time warp. No, thing he doesn't ha- he doesn't have to He's already he's done already... it, but we're learning about it. Right. Kind of, yeah. Our, the more technology so, we have doesn't even I, scratch the surface. You know, I believe to a certain extent that he well, Same I, I thing believe... with stars. Like, yes. the better our telescopes get, the more we discover universes out there. and galaxies and yeah. like God can either, he's either already created it or he can just continue creating and just giving us more and more cool stuff to explore and learn about and get excited about. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons we we chose to homeschool because we wanted to instill that curiosity in our kids, Mm -hmm. that God-given curiosity. Joy of learning. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember if I was done with my train of thought. So I have one final thought. Okay. That's all, and it's well, perfect because we're just almost at an hour. Okay, so I, I, in my um, sending Addie a series of links, I think one of the most pivotal, well, not pivotal, like one of the most seminal, I guess, things. Like it, immediately, my thought went to John Piper, who says that he tweaked the shorter catechism from man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him t- forever. To man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever because he believes both that great. both are I great, think. but he believes that we God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's another yep. John Piper quote. Yep. And so um, he one. he has a quote from C.S. Lewis that I have heard but absolutely love. And I think I think it's I will pre 
a pre-game Piper does. Piper does, or this is Michael Lewis. Reeves does. This is he, this is actually C- know, Piper is quoting C.S. Okay, Lewis. Piper is quoting C.S. Lewis. Yeah, so I don't have anything written from because Michael I only Reeves. say that you guys because in the clip we're going to share by Michael Reeves on the Trinity, he actually has a whole section on C.S. Lewis that's just like mind blowing. That's screw tape letters, yeah. which is fantastic. Mind yeah. blowing. Oh. I need to finish listening to this message, but I'm going to do like a little... We can little... do it in the car. On... I know, we do, but we I did it started... The, we listened to it in the car. Can I say that? Did yeah. we? We'll I, I started... <laughs> now we have to do it, because it would mess up the did. time warp if we don't. <laughs> um, no, I started listening to a message from Andy Wilson, uh, and he talks about um, temptation and going back to Adam and Eve. One of the, He said, the way to set yourself up for falling for temptation is to believe that uh that now what is it now i have to listen to it because i can't remember what the way to set yourself up for falling tempt- temptation is according hmm. to andy wilson. i like andy wilson he's great he's a great speaker too in addition to a great writer all right cliffhanger i can't remember what his answer was <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes and then you have to listen next time after we've listened to it on our drive okay so C.S. Lewis, the summary of what I will close with reading is, is in his commentary on the Psalms, he, the book is called Reflections on the Psalms, he talks about how our, when we are truly enjoying something that is good and praiseworthy, we can't help but overflow and verbally praise what we're experiencing. And so he says, like, a lover isn't... And then he goes a step further and says, in reality, the enjoyment is not complete until you have actually verbalized that praise. And so you're not... If if you're thinking, you know, God, you're a good God because of this beautiful sunset, you don't actually close the circle on on the enjoyment of that until you verbalize that and praise praise him. And I think that... We see that in our present culture with things like Instagram, where we have an impulse. We just don't know. We're not directing the impulse in the right direction. You have a right. fantastic meal. You oh, see thought. something beautiful. You you can't help, you know, I, I mean, here's, here's the perverted part of it. We're stuck on our phones all the time, right? And so we're not actually enjoying the moment with our kids. We're not actually enjoying the vacation because we're worried about how we're going to present it. We're worried about pictures. We're not engaged with our kids at the beach. We're trying to get great pictures at the beach. But I think at the root of that is a good recognition that what we are experiencing is praiseworthy and deserves to be shared with others. And somehow the the sharing of it with others makes it a better experience yes we pervert that though and we're all about it's about me like i want the praise for the picture i took or for the meal that i was able to afford and the great picture i was able to take of it what's that instagram account that we find is so funny power of self-care yes i think that's what it is (laughs) yeah so anyway this is c.s lewis and think think about you know the modern living out of this from Instagram especially is what where I see this. But um, he says, The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of a compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless, or sometimes even if, 
shyness, or fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised the least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole, more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us, as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what indeed we can't help doing, about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Hmm. Uh, So, all that to say, I think there's a lot of scriptural support for the idea that we are called to joy and obedience is the pathway to joy, but obedience is not an end in itself. Joy in our Creator and Redeemer is has got to be our goal. Yeah. And we can find that, I mean, we find that in obedience, but... Right, yeah. but we, I think that, I, I think the practical takeaway for me, because I'm a parent of young kids, and that's where I spend almost all of my life, is... I don't, I can't wrench obedience out of their souls. That's going to create bitterness and uh, it's going to turn them away from the faith because obedience is, is, there's nothing attractive about sheer obedience. And so as children, I want to model to them joy in the Lord and, you know, the, who is it? One of the one of the one of the prophets says, "The joy of the Lord is your strength." No, it's in it's it's in Nehemiah, I think, when the uh, the exiles are coming back and they're all grieved at how te- what terrible disarray mm. Jerusalem is in, and he exhorts them that that how are they going to rebuild Jerusalem? Joy, the joy of the Lord is how you rebuild the ruins that your life is in how do you pursue how do you stay alive and keep your soul alive in tremendous suffering joy how do you raise kids who want to stay in the faith not by you know not by legalism it's by holding out to them a picture that this is the good stuff this is this is where true life is found and we have a joy-filled life because of Jesus and because we're pursuing Jesus, believing that 
he's not, you know, again, it's, it's Eve in the garden, uh, you know, God doesn't want what's awesome for us. Like I can find goodness. I can find better goodness. My life will be better apart from God because he's withholding good things for me. <gasps> That's Andy Wilson's thing. You fall for temptation <laughs> by believing that God is withholding good things from you. And the instant you, you start thinking that God doesn't want what's best for you, you're going to fall for temptation every single time. He says it better than I do, so we still have to listen to it. Okay, good. Uh, But anyway, my takeaway, primarily as a parent, but also as a person who cares about the people around me, is is, it's all about joy. (laughs) Obedience fades into the background, in a sense, when you are joyfully obeying. Because that's the good stuff. Yeah. Amen. I love it. All right, guys. um, we got to go. It's about an hour, and uh, we've overwhelmed you with uh, great stuff, but links and and thoughts and all sorts of stuff to do. So, um, all the stuff that... Most of the stuff that Molly mentioned, I'll link in the show notes. You guys can go watch it, listen to it, buy it, whatever you feel like doing. Um, If you want to respond to us and let us know what you think or, or... you know, just converse with uh, with us on these uh, same topics. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at tb2f at pm papamike.me. That's the number two tb2f at pm.me. You can send us a postcard on our website www.toobusytoflush.com, all spelled out. Or you can even shoot us a text message at four zero six three one eight seven one three six. I typically get them, and I will forward them or show them to Molly, and she'll respond or respond through me. Or whatever kind of we decide to do there. So, love to hear from you guys. You can follow us on. We're not super active on Instagram, but you can follow us there if you want. I am. At Too Busy to Flush. Just like everything else on our Too Busy to Flush. If you want a sticker, if you want to rock the world, get a sticker, get a t-shirt, get a hat. You can uh, find that in our swag shack on our store. So, um, Well, that was fun. And, that's, yeah. That's I think it. that's it. So... We have already recorded this by the time you're listening to it, but we're going to go now finish packing for the trip that we're currently on, uh, that we but that we will be doing. I love the whole time element we've wrapped into this show. It's super fun. All right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm done. I love you, baby. <laughs> I'm giving him weird looks. <laughs> As she does. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next week.